Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. I am thankful that we at Crossbridge just believe in investments in each other. There are so many people, um, I think, who speak to life change that's happened around here. And uh, they can say, man, God has changed my life. But there's always, the story is always connected to another individual, someone who has invested in them one way or the other. Uh, just the other day, and I want to thank you on behalf of Joe and Tricia. I want to continue to, uh, Joe and Tricia Jackson, um, Pastor Tricia is on our staff here and uh, continues to battle um, her fight with cancer. And, and I, I just want to thank you for praying for them, for supporting them. Um, just the other day, Joe Jackson sent me a text and said, I am so thankful for the people of our church. And really what he's saying is, I'm so thankful for the ways in which people are investing in us as a family and praying for us and being there for us. That's what the church should look like, right? And so um, I can also speak for myself and just say, I, I've done my best to invest in you, but um, I, I will say this, I have received way more from you than I've given, and I'm confident of that. Um, when I came to Crossbridge over eight years ago, um, it was, uh, there was a group of people who kind of gambled on me who um, saw a, a young man, I will say young, I was in my 30s, uh, who really had not pastored a church this size and just said, we believe if we come around him and we invest in him, the Lord can use him here. And man, I felt that from day one and still feel that today. And that's one of the beautiful things about Crossbridge. Um, we're looking at a passage that talks about investment. You might've figured out where I was going. And uh, when I was, I actually looked at this passage a couple months ago when I was thinking about the series when we were talking about parables. And, um, and it was one of the parables in, in actually Matthew chapter 25. And it's the parable of the three servants. And it may seem odd that I would choose that today, but I, I felt like as I, uh, it's been one I, I couldn't get off my mind. And I was thinking about this whole idea of investment, of stewardship, of what are we doing with what we've been given. And I thought, I, th I think that's, a, that's an important message right now in the life of the church. So let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 25, it's a little bit longer, but uh, it's a good story. So listen to it with me, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of what they'd used, uh, how they had used his money. And so the servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward to five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. 
The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth and look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture, for this story. And uh, I believe that it's, um, it's potential to speak to us today. God, I pray that we would hear in these words, your spirit speaking to us, challenging us, reminding us of who we are and who we're called to be. And I pray that you'd help us to rise to the occasion. So God, um, I recognize every person listening today, I pray that they would hear from you. And I ask for your help in delivering the message. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. So this this is a great story. Uh, Many of you might have heard it, maybe you haven't, but it's a great story about um, using what God has given us. It's a story about stewardship of every aspect of our lives, that we are responsible for what we've been given and, uh, and will be held accountable for what we do with it. You may say, Kevin, you used the word stewardship. Like, what's stewardship? Uh, stewardship can be defined like this. It can be defined a number of ways, but for today's purposes, I defined it like this. Managing everything God brings into the believer's, the believer's life in a manner that honors God. Let me say that again, managing everything God brings into a believer's life in a manner that honors God. This parable is located, just a little context, in a section where Jesus is instructing his disciples to endure some difficult times and to live in anticipation of of his return. And, And really what he's saying is the return of the master is certain, but the timing is unknown, so be prepared. In fact, we could see that where it's like this whole idea of be ready, be watchful. We'll, we'll see it multiple times in the passages before this. There's a story that um, I was actually reading about this parable in a book written by Dr. John Bowling. And uh, there was a story that he shared and it was talking about a professor um, in, a, in a college class who surprised his students with an exam. And as the students walked in and they sat in the room and the professor walked in and he said, hey, there's a, there's a little surprise today. We're having an exam and it's worth 50% of your grade for the semester. Now you can imagine, I mean, I remember sitting in those seats and um, I can't imagine the pressure that, that I would feel uh, in the midst of something like that. But he distributed these little blue books for them to write their answers in. And he proceeded to say, I know many of you probably feel unprepared 
And so I'm gonna give you an option. If you wanna sign your name on the front of this little blue book and you just wanna walk up and turn it in and walk out, I'll give you a C, no questions asked. And, uh, and he said, so I'm gonna give you a chance to respond. And three students walked to the front, signed their name on the book and said, whew, turned it in and walked out of the class. As they left, you know, the door shut behind them and he said to the rest of the students, then let me remind you, this is worth 50% of your overall grade. And so he said, I, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I, I know many of you, you probably are still feeling very anxious about this. So I'm gonna give you one more chance. And, and I'm gonna say to you that if you want to, you can sign your name on the front of the little blue book. You can walk it up, you can place it on my desk and I will give you a B, no questions asked. Well, you can imagine, and, and I'm gonna be honest, I would have been in this group, I think. Um, most of the students wrote their name on the book. They walked forward, placed their book one after another on the front of the desk and walked out of the room. When that was done and the door shut, there were three students left. And those three students um, were sitting there looking at their professor. And he looked at them and he said, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to write your names on the front of the little blue books and, and I want you to bring them up to me and each of you will receive an A uh, for the exam. He said, the only question that really mattered on the exam was, are you ready to give an account for your studies at a moment's notice? And I, I thought, man, like that is such a picture of what Jesus is trying to say to, to his followers. Are you ready to give an account for the way that you have lived or are living at a moment's notice? That, man, that can ring out not only back here in the New Testament, that should ring out today as, as we are tuning in, as we find ourselves listening and examining our hearts to say, are we living in a way in which we're ready to give an account for everything we've been given, for this life that we have been given? What are we doing with it? You know, it, it's this reminder, right, that we are called to make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians 5 says this, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Um, you know, another version in like a different version of the Bible says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then it says this, redeeming the time. This, this version uses the word time and it says redeeming the time because the days are evil. Dr. Bowling made an interesting observation that uh, really struck me. And he, and he talked about this redeeming the time because the days are evil. And he said, the word time in this verse is not the Greek word chronos, which uh, means clock time, like think hours, minutes, uh, seconds. Instead, there's a word used that's kairos, meaning the right time, as in like the opportune time, this, this moment, like this opportunity that we find ourselves in. And are we making the most of it? We hear so much in this world about time management and, uh, and that's a big deal, right? But what we're talking about here is less about time management and more about opportunity management. Another way we might look at it that, um, that I was reading about was this. Uh, think about it this way. I, I, actually, this was really intriguing to me. That 
let's just say someone gave you, wrote you a check every morning for $86,400. You're like, what? Yeah, imagine that. $86,400. You get that every day to start your day. Some of you are like, sign me up. Whatever program that is, I want it. But here's, here's, here's like the catch. What you don't use on that day, you lose. You don't use it all, you lose it. See, you wouldn't want any of that to go to waste, would you? I mean, you would be trying to, like, you'd be living your day trying to figure out, how do I use $86,400 because I can't carry it over to the next day. I just lose it if I don't use it. Like, I don't ever get it back. You know, that 86,400 is a really important number. It's the amount of seconds that we have every single day. And, and here's the deal. You can't ever get it back. You can't save it for tomorrow. You can't store it up. You can't redeem yesterday's wasted time. It's just lost. You have the opportunity to take advantage of it, to use it, to be a good steward of it, or you lose it. And so here's, here's kind of the thing that I want us to think about a little bit. When the opportunity comes up, use what you have been given. Every time we talk about stewardship, I talk to you about a few areas because I think they're really, really important. I talk to you about things like time. Time is important. For many of you, you hang on to your time more than you hang on to your money. For some, well, we talk about this. We talk about the word talents. And I try to remind you all the time, man, the talents that you've been given have been given to you by God to be used for God like for the building of his kingdom. So you've heard me say this over the last eight years. So quit sitting on your talents and invest them. Let God use them. And then your resources. Um, your resources, you know, that we would look and we would recognize that God is the one who's given us everything we have and realize we can't take them with us so that we would use them for kingdom purposes. Now, now, here's the thing, time, talent, resources, major components of our lives, like these are the things, right? These are the things that I would say, check those things to say, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with the time that he's given you? What are you doing um, with the talents that he's given you? And what are you doing with the resources that he's given you? And those are the what, but the really important part that I want you to hear that I think is actually connected in this passage um, even more than time, talents, and resources, is the who. See, there's always a who that I think is attached when we think about kingdom kind of living, like not just loving God, but loving others. The who is really, really important because when we think about investing time, talents, and resources to the building of the kingdom, I think there's always this who that is attached. It's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And, and who are our eyes focused on? And who are we saying, God, use me and all that I am to lead that person, my neighbor, my coworker, my family member into a relationship with him. Invest in what matters. And here's what matters. People. People matter. You know, we invest in so many things. Um, things that they just really won't matter at the end. But people will always matter. I had a really um, amazing thing happen to me. It was a few months ago, actually, several months ago. 
um, I, I had this individual who honestly I, I, I didn't know real well. I'd went to a golf outing over at Olivet Nazarene University. And uh, there's an individual there that um, I knew of because as I served at, as a youth pastor at College Church of the Nazarene in Bourbon, Illinois, I served many years ago. Um, there was a man who went to church there and he actually, um, he had a theme park, like a, like, like a kid's theme park called Hidden Cove um, there in Bourbon A. And, and I'd more heard of him. In fact, the apartment that I rented, um, he owned. Um, and so I, I guess he was like, kind of like my landlord, although I never actually talked to him. Um, and so I ran into this individual. Now we kind of know each other from other people. I ran into him at a golf outing and he said, hey, Kevin, um, would you be interested in coming to the Olivet Golf Outing in Arizona? And I'd love, to, I'd love for you to come with me. And it kind of, it caught me off guard at first because I was like, well, that, I mean, that's really nice of you, but like, why would you do something so nice for me? Like, you really don't know me that well. And um, long story short, I came back home and he had called me and checked on me and said, hey, the, the, actually the golf outing's not gonna work, um, but I would love for you to come and uh, where I live um, part of the year, I want you to just come spend some time with me and play some golf with me. In fact, and I want you to bring one of your other pastors, uh, Kevin Hancock, who I know as well. I want you to bring him and I just want you to come down for a couple days and play some golf. And, and it really, again, just, I was like, man, why is he like, why is he so nice to me? And in, many of you know this about me. Um, a lot of times I just, I just say what's on my mind, right? Um, I try to, I try to just be me. And, and so I was on the phone and I thought, I'm just going to ask him. And so I said to him, I said, and I don't want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But I, I said, sir, like, uh, why, why, why are you being so nice to me? Like, this is incredible. And this is a, an incredible gift. But like, why? why? Why would you be so nice to me? And it was really interesting. Like the phone got kind of quiet. I think I kind of caught him off guard. Maybe it was an odd question. Probably was. Um, and he was just, you know, he kind of laughed and said, man, I'd just love for you to come. And, and, and I was like, okay. So we, we jumped on an airplane and we flew down to Florida and um, we had our golf clubs. And, and when, when he picked us up from the airport, I got in the car and I was sitting in the front seat and Pastor Kevin Hancock was in the back seat. And, uh, and he was like, man, thank you for coming. I'm so glad you're here. And, and then he brought it up which I was actually glad he brought it up because I thought, I think I made, that was kind of an awkward moment on the phone that I'd caused. And, uh, and he said, Kevin, he said, on the phone, you asked me a question. He said, you said, Kevin, like, why would you do this? Like, why are you being so nice to me? And he said, when I hung up, I thought about it. And I really was like, huh, like that's, that's a really good question. And you're right, like we don't really have this deep relationship. But he said, Kevin, I've watched you from afar and, and, and the other Kevin as well, like watched the church from afar. I've watched the ministry. And, and to be truthful, um, I just wanted to invest in you. He said, I like to invest in things and I, I, I want to invest in you. And so I wanted to invest some time and some resources in you. And, and I just wanted to like care for you in this way. Now, I will tell you, like the golf was incredible, right? I had a great time. The food was good. The hospitality, they're wonderful people. But, but that little snippet in the car, like was the trip. Like there were many times um, throughout that trip 
whether it was sitting at a meal, um, whether it was in the car, whether it was on the golf course, where I felt that. I felt his encouragement and I felt him saying, this is what I see in you. I felt his investment in me. And, um, and even to be honest, over the last several months, I, I felt that. Like, I can't, I can't tell you how big of an impact that one trip had on my life. And it, and it wasn't the golf. It was the fact that someone cared so much to invest in me. It really motivated me because I thought, man, I want to do the same thing. I, I just want to randomly invest in people. I, I want people to walk away and say, why, like, why is that guy, why would he do that for me? Um, I was, I was overwhelmed. I, I want you to hear that story because I think all of us have that opportunity. We have people in our lives that we can invest in, that the opportunity is right, that God has placed in our life. It might be kids, it might be grandkids, it might be neighbors, it might be coworkers. But what would it look like for us just to say, I'm gonna use what I have, my time, my talents, my resources, to invest in the people that God has placed around me. What if God was actually calling us to do more than just redistribute our resources? What if he was calling us to do more than just be like, hey, you know, can I, can I use your money over here? Can I use your talents over here? This passage is about true kingdom investment in the who, not just the what, the who. See, just before this passage, we see Jesus reminding his disciples to keep watch. If you look at Matthew 24, 42, it says, so you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. And in verse 13, so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Then right after this parable, right after what I'm sharing with you, listen to what Jesus says. But when the son of man comes into his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. And it goes on to say, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And, and you know, there's this whole picture, right, of like, well done. Here's your inheritance. But, but here's what he says. Here's what he's saying it, it matters, right? For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. See, when I read what Jesus is saying, what I hear is like, it's people. It's paying attention to the people around us. It's paying attention to the hungry. It's paying attention to the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the one imprisoned. It's, it's people that if we would open our eyes, like people need to know that we love and care and we are willing to invest in them. I think we have to make sure we get this right. That we recognize that God is not only the giver of everything we have, but he's the giver of every opportunity that we have. And the big idea is this, and here's what I really want you to hear. Um, this, is, this is, I guess, um, I think when it comes down to it, when I was thinking about this message and why I couldn't get away from it, and, and you may say, Kevin, it seems like an odd message to preach, like your second to last Sunday here, but here's what I want you to hear. This is, this is what matters is that your life is not yours. That your life really isn't your own. That we live it. We recognize that what we've been given 
this life that we've been given, the opportunities we've been given, the eternal life that we've been given, the relationship with Jesus that we've been given, the opportunity to partner with Jesus to actually make a difference in the kingdom and the people around us, we've been given and that we would make the most of it. You know, like what would it look like for us? Um, I've, I've tried to live this way in front of you and one of the things I would say that I've watched in this cross bridge culture is this, um, people living this way. People looking around and saying, who can I invest in? Who can I invite to church? Who can I, who can I pray for that God would do this transformational kind of work in? And I'll tell you, over the last eight years, we've seen it over and over and over. I know I shared with you a, a few weeks back, but I think about, um, I wish I could remember every single story and every baptism. I think about 360 baptisms across eight years. And I know this, I, I can say it confidently without a doubt, not that I can go back and read every one of those stories, but without a doubt that every person that was baptized, every person that told the story of transformation across the last eight years, there was another story connected to it. There was a story of someone, the who, who invested in them, who said, God, take my life and use me to transform someone else's. What I pray for you, Crossbridge, is that um, the spirit of that, the culture of that, that it would not change that it would lead to way more than 360 more baptisms in the next year, that, that we would be people who look around and say, God, who can you use me? Who's hungry, who's thirsty? Who's a stranger who feels like they're on the outside? Who's imprisoned by this life and needs to be set free? Because we each have people in our life that are in that very, very specific kind of place and I pray this, that you would use the opportunity that God gives you. And I trust he will give you those. I'm going to close with this passage. It's Romans chapter 12, and it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Father, when I think about worshiping you, uh, it's so, more than, uh, so much more than singing songs. It's so much more than showing up for an hour on a weekend. It's living our lives ready, ready at any moment to give an account for what we've done with it that we recognize you as the incredible giver, the giver of everything we have. And that God, we are committed, that we are committed to multiply what we've been given, to multiply it to the people around us, to extend everything we have. We recognize that you've given it and God, we are stewards of it. So I pray that you would continue to build this story here at Crossbridge. That our folks would continue to live that way. That I would continue to live that way. And that we would have eyes to see the opportunities that you put in front of us. Encouraged to walk through them when the door is opened. God, I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.